Hi, everyone, and welcome to the global virtual panel for Overcoming Heart Blocks. This is the conference, and we are so excited to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to our sponsors and our speakers. And at this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Thank you, Rajaline. Hello, everyone. On behalf of Life Service Center of America, LLC, and Rajaline Sabat, we welcome you to the Global Overcoming Heart Blocks Conference. Tonight, you will experience some transparent heartfelt responses from our co-authors. I'm so excited to hear what my fellow co-authors have to say. So without further ado, we're going to introduce our host of the evening, Mrs. Rajaline Sabat. Regeline, she's a motivational keynote speaker, five-time best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Thank Gigi. Thank you. So, so, such an honor again. And, and we're talking about a very serious topic here, trauma, ladies and gentlemen. And this is going to be very different than the other events. This is the open round table. So definitely grab your pen and paper today. And remember that you can overcome your heart block. These individuals, each speaker on this panel, they are authors, but they are also speakers and they are walking, talking testimonies that you can overcome your heart blocks. Thank you, Gigi. And again, I just wanna let everyone know how this actually happened. Last year, November 2021, of course, we all was on the panel for the book launch. And this is just a spinoff. The conference is just a spinoff. So right now, we just want you guys to be open-minded. Just let's have fun and just be transparent because so many people need to hear our stories. And like I always say, everyone has a story. What's yours? Are you guys ready? So the next on the agenda, I'm going to introduce the co-authors. And once I introduce you, I would like you to tell the audience, what is your heart block? Okay? Everybody's ready? Yes. Awesome, awesome. So our first speaker is Jolene Sabat. She could not be with us tonight, but she is a best-selling author and registered nurse. Our next speaker is Baeda. I cannot pronounce your last name. Forgive me, sister. Serwin Reed. Baeda is in high demand life and leadership coach for entrepreneurs, an international speaker, and a change maker. Baeda, what is your heart block? Um, what was your heart block? Yes. So my name is Beata Severin Reed, and thank you for trying. <laughs> Like you share my heart, my heart block today. I, I don't have this heart block. I had many heart blocks, but two main ones, it was caused by doubt and rejection. So when I was seven, I, I will just briefly go. When I was seven, I was in a car accident. So a little girl dreaming about her life just starting. I, I wanted to be someone who makes uh, impact in the world already when I was seven. And then I was in a car accident. I, I got a traumatic brain injury and uh, woke up to the conversation with, between my mom and uh, the doctor that I, I've never been normal. So as a kid, it are not enough you are not gonna achieve much in your life. So the doubt of the doctor that he 
he was he said that the doubt of my family members some of them not all of them then the teachers the one that's supposed to encourage me and say you can do it you can achieve anything you want in your life just keep going they were doubting me they were like oh how did you get this B, not C this time. So that was very discouraging. And that was really blocking me from being more and, and uh, enjoying life. Then uh, the, the other was, and there was kind of rejection as well. But then I, when I thought that I overcame that, that uh, hard block, which was doubt, uh, I got rejected by my fiance. And then my my in my mind at that time it was a, a while ago already i was i'm not enough i i'm the doctors begging the time they were right i'm not enough not enough even to have a man in my life so there were two main blocks in my life and you know rejection and doubt is messy and it makes you to believe that you are not enough and uh, really inadequate and this this feelings destabilize your emotional state sometimes for a very long time until you face it so i one day i decided it's not the circumstances it's me who can change it and i started working on on that i i didn't do it on my own i needed help i'm not sure if it's what did i respond to your question Yes, thank you so much for that, Beata. Beata, sorry. I'm going to get it right one day. Forgive me, sister. Beata. Our next, okay. <laughs> next co-author is C. Reggie Rogers. Through the years of counseling countless couples, C. Reggie Rogers brings a provocative conversation anytime he is called upon to speak or do an interview. Formerly celebrated as a pastor, he also authored an internet column entitled Revy, Rev. I'm having a freaking brain fart. Reverend Reggie's Process, which appeared in the Gospel EUR. Venturing to Las Vegas from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, to Sin City to begin anew after the sudden loss of his father in a car accident in late 2000. See Reggie Rogers, what's your heart block? What was your heart block? Well, let me say that I'm very gratuitous for the opportunity to be able to share on this panel with so many great authors, as well as Gigi, who I admire so much. I love Gigi's uh, persistence and her tenacity. So I'm grateful to be a part of this. But I wrote about in the uh, chapter that I chose to write, I wrote about uh, a dichotomy. And a dichotomy typically is two forces going in opposite directions but trying to move at the same time. And I think all of us at some point, or sometimes our point, we all deal with uh, a dichotomy. Um, you're dealing with, you know, if we understand the principle, the concept of a trichotomous or tripartite, that's body, soul, and spirit. But a portion of that, a portion of that is the body and the soul. And so sometimes they're not in unification. And so when they're not in unification, it makes us uh, disjointed, which creates a dissatisfaction. And so it can also lead to a depression because of the dissatisfaction, because we are so disjointed, um, because 
that dichotomy is at work. It's always at work. You know, you, it's almost like you have these two voices inside of you fighting to get your attention. And you want to do one thing and you end up doing something that you don't want to do. And the thing that you want to do, you don't do the thing that you shouldn't do, you end up doing. So that dichotomy is always at work, that body, that soul. And again, also threw in that trichotomous or that tripartite. So that's that body, that soul, that spirit. But I realized that in Christianity, there's, a, there, there's this principle or there's this process or there's this formula in Christianity that's taught. It, it looks like this. So when my body is in right relationship with God, it makes you healthy. When my soul is in right relationship with God, it makes me happy. And when my spirit is in right relationship with God, it makes you holy. So once you figure out how to bring that unification so that you create that formula, then that dichotomy does not bother you as much. So I chose to write in my chapter about that dichotomy, that tripartite. And so that was that hard block. Thank you for sharing that. Our next co-author is Dr. Mary Kay Holmes. She's not with us tonight, but Dr. Mary Kay Holmes is the number one international best-selling author and author of 10 books, including her most recent best-selling memoir, Trapped in Plain Sight, The Unfamiliar Face of Human Trafficking. Our next co-author is Dr. Seth Buxy. He's not here either. He is a social behavioral mentor and addiction psychotherapist. He is an author, speaker, TV, radio, and social media personality, and respected pioneer in addiction consulting. Our next speaker, I'm sorry, our next co-author is Eliza Kamu Lupini. Is she here, Virginia? Who? Eliza? Eliza, no, she cannot be with us today. Okay, Eliza? is the owner of Eliza LLC, Spa Voyage, founder of Safe House, and the creator of the Safe House Crisis and Recovery Act. Our next co-author is Erin Baer. She is a thriving entrepreneur and lives in her passions as an author, international keynote speaker, and empowerment coach. Being a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault, Erin began telling others her story of grace and grit on her road to recovery. This sharing her personal story became the basis for her book, From Beaten to Badass. The powerfully worded personal memoir gives readers the strength, hope, and courage to keep going and become the badass women they were always meant to be. Our next co-author, Erin Baer, please tell us your heart block. Well, what was your heart block? Thank you so much, Dr. Lakeisha James, for that wonderful introduction. I love it every time I hear my book title, From Beaten to Badass, because I think so many people can relate to it. So can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. Ah, um, all of us are badasses. And thank you, Judy, for letting me be a part of this amazing project. I really want to give a shout out to you because without you orchestrating everything behind the scenes and so forth, we would not be here to share the most powerful thing we have, which is our voice and our story. So thank you. Thank you. My heart block that I wrote about in the chapter uh, for overcoming heart blocks, obviously, uh, Dr. Lakeisha kind of gave a little tip. It was about rape and abuse and how that relationship um, really 
solidified my issue of having trust, not only with others, especially men, but with myself and with God, because I thought everybody around me had betrayed me. And then I thought I betrayed myself and the little girl inside me. So I really dive deep into that relationship of abuse and rape and how um, it really just, it broke every aspect of trust that I could possibly have. And how did I go about um, breaking down the wall that I built around me? Because I thought building a wall around me was going to allow me to be safe when really it kept everybody out, but it kept me in, it kept me trapped. So how did I break that wall down stone by stone and really growing um, the roots of my trust tree back into the world? Um, And that's what I really talk about. Thank you. Awesome, I love that, I love that. Our next co-author could not be with us tonight, Julie Juju Christopher. She is the creator and CEO of Bijuton. Juju is a professional entertainer, music artist, speaker, healer, best-selling author. Our next co-author is Emily Singerhouse. She cannot be with us tonight either. Emily is the founder of Singerhouse Research Consulting LLC, quantitative researcher by training, advocate, and educator on the issues of human trafficking, domestic violence, sexual violence, youth exploitation, racial equality, and community well-being. Our next co-author is Kayla Doctor. She cannot be with us tonight. She is a transformational speaker, author, coach, and survivor. And our next co-author is Killian Fluckinger. Coming from a 30-year history of executive experience in the energy industry, Killian held C-level positions in the U.S. and Canada, extensive consulting experience in energy deregulation and other high-pressure areas performed prepared him for the coaching career at he, known enjoy, he now enjoys. The author of 13 books with numerous bestsellers, Kellyan now coaches an international clientele in business and a work and high performance. Kellyan, what was your heart block? Well, thank you for being here. And I'm, I hear all of the introductions and they're amazing. What isn't part of the bio that was the introduction was 35 years of depression where I never talked to anyone. I was raised in a, uh, an, an environment where discipline today would be felony child abuse. And I came away like many of you with the idea that I wasn't good enough and never would be. And I lived with that and never took advantage of the opportunity to talk to anyone uh, until I was 52. So for 35 years from the time I left home at 17 until I was 52, I sort of lived this roller coaster of depression and self-sabotage and self-loathing. How that translated into the real world is I created a lot of corporate success as you listed all this cool stuff. And on one side, you'd say, wow, and behind the scenes, it's like, oh, what a mess. And it was like that because I was also married and divorced three times in and out of rehab centers uh, with all kinds of addiction and, you know, those kinds of things that sort of go with that depression. When I was, uh, what I wrote about, I started with an event that was just sort of the hallmark of that carelessness. I'd attempted suicide a couple of times and one of the things that wasn't an attempted suicide but could have been was a crash that I had with a 850 horsepower car that I'd gotten and souped up and was driving in a condition I shouldn't have been and had an accident. And I ended up with a branch 
when I opened my eyes, like a quarter inch from my left eyeball. And you know, any, any further movement, and I would have been a bad scene in a B horror movie. Mm. And those kinds of things were kind of part of my life until I had a divine intervention that was an invitation by the divine to change. I wrote about that divine intervention in, in this chapter where I, it was called, I was called to change. And what that involved was walking away from the career and the industry that I had was in and just completely starting over. And it was in 2007 after at, at when I was 52. So for the last 14 years, I started talking to someone for the first time. I was introduced to the woman that I am married to now in a miraculous divine way and spent this last 14 years committed. My goal for this year is to help 10 million people discover, develop, and serve with their divine gifts. And to that end, I have a podcast called Your Ultimate Life, and I've been participating in these summits with Gigi and have the opportunity to meet all of you and have built a coaching practice with clients around the world who are committed to ending addiction to mediocrity. And that's all I do. Sometimes I get asked, what do you do for fun? What do you do when you're not working? And the answer is I only do one thing. From first breath in the morning to last breath at night, I'm committed to do that because I love it. And so it isn't work, it is passion, it is love, it is commitment to help every person I can figure out who they really are and to live into that truth. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the next co-author is myself, Dr. Lakeisha James. <laughs> so what I wrote about in the book was my first my person only actually experience with domestic violence. I was in high school. I had suppressed it for many years and Gigi of course provided the platform in order for me to start sharing my voice, sharing my story. And I started, and once I started writing my story, it, I had to relive everything that I went through when I was in high school. I was just 13 years old, my very first relationship. But not to tell you guys too much about my chapter because I definitely want you guys to get the book. But what I did learn from myself then, I did pick up that control and spirit because at that time I did not have control over the relationship. And I told myself, after this relationship, if I make it out alive, I would not be in a relationship or a situation I could not control. And I picked it up for many years. It had an impact on all the relationships I had, all of the relationships, because if it wasn't my way, it was the highway. So a few years ago, I finally realized that I had became that person that I did not want to become that controlled me because it stopped a lot of my blessings that God had for me. So, of course, I changed and here I am, the brand new Lakeisha, not the controlling. You know, I could, you know, um, compromise now. It doesn't have to be my will to highlight. So my, my heart block was just that keeping me inside my wall, being protected and not being able, not letting anyone see Lakeisha because the guy had took my power over me. So I took my power back and my heart block was love. And now I can love freely without any hesitation. So that was my heart block. And our next co-author is my sister, Lori Schimpfeld. Lori currently resides in Utah with her hubby, three kids, and a dog, Jack White Wolverine. She's a child abuse advocate, a master Drew enthusiast, and is part cyborg. Our next co-author, Lori. Lori, what is your heart block? What was your heart block? Thank you so much for the introduction, Dr. Lakeisha. And thank you, Gigi, for 
putting this beautiful collaboration together with all these amazing people and authors. I am so grateful to be here. Um, my chapter on heart blocks was the biggest one for me was abusing and rejecting myself. And um, where a big part of my story is I had domestic violence in my home as well as rape. Um, the biggest part was how I continued to hurt myself over and over and over again and give my power away to hurt people. And my chapter goes into, there was a very crucial part in my journey five years ago where I had felt like I'd given absolutely everything that I knew. And I had three little kids at home. I felt in that moment that life was better without them having me as their mom because I had no idea. I didn't see anything beautiful in me, any value. I didn't see any purpose and didn't feel there was a reason for me to be around. And when I heard my kids on the other side of the wall laughing, I had a moment of processing as I was about ready to end everything, what I hadn't tried. And the thing I had never tried to do was love myself. I had never tried to truly understand who Laurie was, not the Laurie who I thought I needed to be or should be to be loved, but who Laurie is that's amazing and magical that never truly learned to love herself. And that's what the chapter goes into. That was my biggest heart block that I've overcome. Thank, Thank you. you and our next co-author is Manny Blue. Manny Blue is an entrepreneur, author, and philanthropist who previously entertained his audience on the stage as a performer, recording artist, has traded in his blue spiked hair and dance blue for a suit and a laptop. Our next co-author is Manny Blue. Manny, what was your heart block? First, I want to say thank you guys for having me. It is an honor to be a part of this panel with everyone else here. Um, Reading, reading the book and reading everything that you guys went through, it's mind blowing. But yet again, mm -hmm. it's a book that anyone facing any any type of hard block can relate to and be able to overcome the hard block. In my chapter, I decided to write about a, a personal topic to me because um, when my parents divorced, when I was two years old, uh, um, my mom moved to Puerto Rico, obviously uh, she took me with her. But growing up, my father became a ghost. He wasn't in my life. And seeing my friends with their parents and, you know, doing all kind of fun things together, you know, I, I came to, to feel abandoned and unwanted. And I didn't realize how it affected me so much until I got older because I built up a wall. And I, when my mom remarried later on, I, I didn't accept them. I'm like, this is not my father. Like it, it just caused problems. And I began to, to resent people. I began to hold grudges. And because of that, I started to hurt other people because I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to be hurt again. I didn't want to be abandoned again, quote unquote. And having a, then I broke up with the love of my life at, at you know, at, at a young age that kind of put more, that was like the icing on the cake for me. And because of that, again, I hurt a lot of people. And years later, I realized that it all, it was all linked to that feel, the feeling of being, feeling abandoned, unwanted. And I had to come to peace with, with myself and realize, well, look, this is out of my control. I can only control what I feel and I can change what I feel and the way I think and the way I do things. 
and apologize to those that I hurt in the past because of my my actions or, or my words. So it, it was it was a little personal for me to talk about this and put it on a book, but I, I felt that you know I'm pretty sure there's someone out there that can relate to to me or or have a similar situation that you know can help them overcome that heart block and live in peace, you know, and, and just live a better life. Thank you, Manny. Our next co-author is Michelle Morris. She could not be with us tonight. Michelle is a survivor of multiple life challenges to include traumatic brain injury, breast cancer. She guides others to recognize innate gifts within them, stop apologizing for what they are not, and step into who they truly are. I love that. Um, next co-author is Dr. Sophie Nubani. She could not be here tonight. She is an interpersonal executive coach, public speaker, international creative mindset strategist, NLP trainer, honorary doctor of divinity, honorary doctor of philosophy. And our next speaker is Ragne Sinikis. She is a seasoned entrepreneur. She is the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, sendherdeals.com, Complex Holding, Starpreneur TV, Untold Story Foundation, Changemakers Coach, Public Speaker, and Philanthropist. Our next co-author, Ragnar Sinikis, what was your heart block? First of all, as everybody has mentioned, but I think the, the gratitude that the, each one of us really truly feels at this moment is, uh, is because we know what all those stories can create as impact, impact uh, within the people that surround us, and the impact of each one, which is which takes the time, invest really the time to listen today. And not only to listen, I strongly urge you to write down things, and especially the things that uh, touch your core. It can be a word, it can be a story, but it needs to be taken care of. And that's actually what was happening to me uh, in a very young age, 17, and um, maybe thinking back and thinking that at 17, having a relationship, it's like, like what, what's, what's, what's so different about it? Or what's, what's, uh, why would that impact my life so much? And actually it's true. I did not understand how much the trauma, which I did not address at that time, was affecting me on each level. It didn't matter what I wanted to achieve. It was affecting me and I could not understand. As, as uh, go Arthur Gellin was just uh, talking about winning in the world and losing totally within. The internal uh, unsatisfaction with yourself, not being enough. Uh, and more, more than anything else, it comes down to the narrative story. Who do we think that we are? And who, who do we really are? And who do we want to become? And um, when you go through my, uh, my chapter, then I, you will see how one thing takes you to another. So there's when we make plans, life happens. And so do the things and the obstacles and everything what becomes one moment so big that we don't see any any place to go with it because 
the world is thinking that you are winning in the world. You're doing so good. You are on top of your career. You have family. You have you have marriage. You have what would be wrong with her? So um, even now, between writing the chapter, reading it again, going through those emotions, believe me, I have learned from my own story over and over again. And this is so powerful because in the end of the day, today we can make all one decision, whether we become the victim of our circumstances, whatever they are, or we really step into the power and start to live the life that we truly want and deserve. Unfortunately, our society still celebrates being a victim because there is very few people that want to stay with you when you are going down and two, have the guts to tell you, get up and just make it happen because you can. Because then people who will stay with you doesn't want to sort of push you more. So it's so easy to, to just stay in the uh, vicious circle that things do not happen, that, that life doesn't really happen for you, but it happens to you. And everything that I described there is just little pieces from different stages of my life where I see that the one thing which I did not address because I didn't know better was the trauma and how that was affecting my self-belief, my uh, relationships, my, you name it, income. Because we put the limits and overcome the belief system that we have been really uh, shown from the day that we are born by our parents, by our teachers, by our surroundings. If you, if you are lucky enough, you will be in a surrounding that supports you and uplifts you every time that you have a heart, a heart block. Not everybody has that. So all those authors that are in this book and also in front of you today have their uh, experience and they are ready to help you. So you're not alone. Uh, wherever you are, you need to deal with the drama because Andel's drama will just manifest in a very different ways. Addictions, abuse, and the list is so long that we would take another book, I think, or two or three to, to really go through them. So uh, without any further ado, I, I invite you to really go read. When you read, make notes take the notes and then take action on those notes. And I just want to leave you with one of my, uh, one, one of my mentors quote, uh, uh, quote, which is the greatest lie in life is telling yourself you don't belong and that you are not enough. So you need to wake up because if you want to be great, don't do your best, but do whatever it takes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Renee. Always inspiring words. Our next co-author is Pamela Arby. She cannot be with us tonight. 
She's, she's the owner of, oh, she's here. Okay. I'm sorry, sister. Pamela Arby okay. is the owner of Rising Energy, a podcast hosted to podcasts, Rainbows in Real Life, and the PA system. A writer, businesswoman, Ricky Master, intuitive energy healing practitioner, and visionary artist. Our next co author, Pamela Arby. Pamela, what was your heart block? Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lakeisha, for that very warm introduction. And thank you, Gigi, for making all of this possible and for making this information and this book available to people. I know that it's already been a blessing to many people, and it will be a blessing to many more. And so my first uh, heart block really came uh, as an infant. And uh, my birth mom at the time was not married to the man that uh, was my biological father. In fact, they really didn't really have much of a relationship and, and he really didn't want anything to do with either one of us and, uh, actually tried to end her pregnancy at one point, but, you know, fortunately for me, she carried me full term and, you know, I was brought into this world with, uh, this crazy, interesting purpose, I think. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, been, it's just been a journey, but I mean, I think that that's really the beauty of it is that, even when we have these losses. And in my case, that ended up meaning that my birth mom did not have the resources to raise me, that I was placed with another family. And, and growing up, you know, feeling like there was something missing, like there was just always this, this pain in my heart, but I didn't really understand it. And I had no idea how to make sense of it. And I couldn't talk about it. You know, it just, there wasn't a way for me to explain it as a child. And so just kind of carrying this with me and growing up in a very controlled environment where we didn't talk about feelings anyway. And, you know, it was just like, you perform and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That became my MO and I, I became very good at it. Um, but the problem with that was that I came into my early adulthood and I really wasn't in touch with myself. I didn't know myself. I didn't understand, you know, some of these experiences that I had had growing up and why I struggled with depression and why, you know, at 14 years of age, I had been suicidal and, you know, really it was miraculous that that spirit came to me in a moment when I really was ready to end my life and said, nope, it's not time yet you know, and just to come into adulthood with some of these things and, and just try to live a normal quote unquote normal life and thinking that my life was normal, that this, this was normal to have these kind of experiences and, and to live, you know, in so much pain. And so it took many years and a lot of, you know, kind of self-inflicted pain, but also putting myself in situations where I would be hurt that, you know, finally brought me to a place where I had to face the reality of my pain and deal with it. And so that's really what I write about in the book is just my journey through that. And then, you know, the heart blocks that, that come along the way, because we have heart blocks, right. And how we can deal with those and how we can start to create the life that we really want and leave these things behind. And so I just thank you for the opportunity to be here today and share my story. Thank you, Pamela. Our next speaker is Mindy East. Our next co-op, I'm sorry, is Mindy East, owner of Baron Rich Speakers Agency, representing 24 professional keynote speakers and event MCs from across the nation, including one in Africa. Upcoming host of Ageless Enthusiasm is an attitude on PBS Kansas, redefining life, health, and happiness over 50. Our next co-author, Mindy East, what was your heart block? Oh, 
Thank you, Dr. Lakeisha, and thank you, Gigi, for having me. I love how everyone is moving past the heart block. It's all in our past, but yet we still have something about it that we need to share to help other people. What I hear everyone saying is so much the same. I mean, everything's a different issue, but it all has the same effect on us. And I hear so many, each and every one of you, including me, um, that trauma that happened to us caused feelings of low self-esteem, lack of confidence, not feeling good enough or worth, you know, valuable or worth enough. My heart block um, was 35 years in the making, married to my high school sweetheart. And then he decided um, that he wasn't, you know, wanting to be married to me anymore. And so the marriage was on life support for 10 years before he pulled the plug and set me free. And uh, during that time, I endured a lot of humiliation. Um, he got another woman pregnant in the fall of 2012. That was very difficult to walk through. And just like everyone else, you know, those feelings of low self-esteem and, and, you know, my shattered ego made me think, why wasn't I enough? Why wasn't I good enough? You know, why wasn't I enough for this person? And, <clears throat> excuse me, then I realized it's not that I wasn't enough. It was that I was too much. And for my situation, I was in partnership with someone who was had very low self-esteem, but he made up for it with an oversized ego. And so, you know, we were like that couple from the outside. We had everything, business owners, we had, we were like a power couple, but behind closed doors, there were so many fractures and so many cracks in the foundation that it just wasn't strong enough to withstand that kind of, of uh, trauma. And so when he left, I remember thinking, I mean, I basically got left at the curb. You know, he stopped the vehicle in the street in front of our house and told me that he was he had filed for divorce and I would be getting papers served the next day. And I was at, the, I was at the curb, which is a pretty bad place to be when you're, you know, you're in the gutter and there's really no place to go except up. And I remember walking in the house and I thought, okay, this is like a punishment. You know, I've done everything right. I've always tried to be the perfect wife. I mean, I'm a great cook. I raised three kids, grandmother, um, you know, successful in my career. And I just, it was very um, hurtful. And then, 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 then I cried that whole summer of 2013. But then, then, then um, it was like, God said, you know what? It's not a punishment. It was my provision. And so what I realized was I had so many things to be grateful for, so many opportunities awaiting me, so many dreams that I had never even had a chance to think about or consider, much less go after. And so when I changed my mindset that it wasn't a punishment, it was a provision, everything changed. And 
I can safely say now uh, that was, you know, quite a while back. That was what, um, nine years ago. And so now we have a very good working relationship. I'm not perfect though. We had, we celebrated one of the grandbabies uh, second birthday yesterday. And for a brief moment, I wanted to, you know, there was something to me that wasn't very, you know, <laughs> I was more like, um, Cruella DeVille instead of Mary Poppins, but I, I didn't say anything. I just had this thought. And so what really, what really helped me was to realize that I had so many things to be grateful for. And I relied heavily on my faith in God. And every time I had a problem, every time, every time that trauma came back to rattle my self-confidence I went to the Bible and I share in my chapter how I had very specific direction from the Holy Spirit saying, okay, you need to go read this passage. And I knew that that's where my marching orders were. So as, as everyone else on this panel, I too feel a passion for helping others and I'm so grateful that Gigi has given me this opportunity because there was so much healing in writing it out and reading it over again. And now whenever I, and I ordered some books to pass out, pass out to friends. Every time I give a book away, I just feel like another layer of that trauma is just floating up into the atmosphere. And I feel like I'm accomplishing something. I put that pain to a good use. So thank you again for having me today. Thank you, Mandy. And our last co-author, she cannot be with us tonight, is Dunya Tanya Gold. She's a medical doctor and author of Seven Habits of Extremely Happy People. She's extremely happy. So as you can see, all of the co-authors here, your past does not define who you will become. All of us have overcome our heart blocks. And I'm sure we may have a heart block in the future, but we know how to execute and implement that to make it better for us. Now we're going to do something different. I want to ask our host, Reginald, about, about a heart block that she had. Yes, yeah, so my name is Regeline Sabat, but I prefer Gigi for short. And my heart block was caused by sexual assault. I was sexually assaulted when I was eight years old. And for me, that affected my social relationships and my trust in others. And I was so young at the time that it happened, I didn't know that that's what was going on internally was a heart block. But after I was sexually assaulted again as an adult, and I, I, I recall someone saying, you need to share your story, it may help someone, just like the domestic violence, it may help someone. So that for me was enough for me to come forward and share my story. Mind you, I was an introverted leader before, but now I'm an ambivert, because if it's for helping people, I'm all for coming forward and sharing my story. And so it happened as an adult and here I am sharing my story. And as I'm sharing my story, I said, what is that? Something so internal. And it's, I, I, and this is exactly what I was feeling, those emotions right there. And I said, oh my goodness, this feels like a heart block. And when I thought I was alone with having a heart block, I found out that I'm not alone. There are many other people that have a heart block. And, and you all came forward, all of, all of the amazing co-authors of, of the book and, and the speakers here today, you all came forward and, and shared with me that you all have had a heart block. 
And I said, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how many people have had a heart block from trauma. So somebody mentioned earlier that we all have experienced something, but it may have been different. But if you put an umbrella over it, it's trauma. It was all from trauma. And so when we look at the science behind the heart block and we calculate the, the formula to get to what caused the heart block, it's trauma. It's trauma. So we have to get to the root cause. And, and I'm here to tell you today that these folks are a walking, talking testimony that you can overcome your heart block and that you're not alone. If you're listening to this message today, never give up and hold on to faith. Faith is believing in the things that you cannot see. You can't see it. And, and if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, all things are possible. Whomever you believe in, whomever you believe in, God, higher power, Allah, hold on, hold on and don't give up. Don't give up. You can overcome your heart block. I believe in you. I just need you to believe in yourself. Thank you, Gigi. I'm sorry for putting you over our, our, <laughs> on the spot. I'm open to all questions anytime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to start our roundtable discussion. Well, it's kind of like a red table discussion. I have questions for each speaker. And of course, if you guys want to ask the co-author a question that you want them to answer, please feel free to do so. So Jeremy could not be with us tonight. So her question was that came in, in your chapter, you mentioned your husband took you on vacation and by the time you came back home, you felt like you were, you were healed. What part of your vacation was the most exhilarating and helped you overcome your heart block? Now, do you have the answer to that? Give me one moment, I thought I had to pull that. So her response was just to get away from work. I was happy to just be with you guys is when we went to Las Vegas. And that was her response for her question. So the next question will go to our co-author, Ragni Sneakers. you have two questions. Your first question is, in your chapter, you focus on the mind. Did mindset have a huge effect on how you overcame your heart block? Everything starts with the mind. Although it's not the only, uh, obviously, uh, only thing that you need to focus on. I, I see that uh, all our decision making and everything uh, who we become really has uh, four parts. And only 25% of the equation is, is the mind. But it, it all starts from there. And once you have the intellectual uh, part said that you understand that the way that you think affects every single area of your life and you are open to change that then uh, this is where the change really comes and kicks in and um, to to really sum up it's uh, with better awareness we can make better decisions and with better decisions we uh, have better results thank you for that your next question is, what does living the life you deserve mean to you as it relates to folks overcoming their heart blocks? Oh, <laughs> how many hours do you have? <laughs> I want to be respectful uh, to everybody's time. I think um, 
especially when we look back to our life, then in different stages of our life, it means very different thing. Because it means uh, where our focus is, uh, what do we really, uh, really, uh, uh, in, in, in 20s, you wanna, you're all about what I'm going to achieve, who I'm going to become, then, um, then the 30s, you're, you're all focused uh, whether on your career or whether in your family, depending what your focus really is. And now um, 40s today, I can say that uh, what is the blueprint? What is the one message that I want to leave the world with? What if, if people will show up at my, my uh, happy funeral? Then, uh, then, uh, then, what would be said? And uh, it's it's not about the trophies, the awards, the the recognition. It is very important to have those in our life. But um, how was I able to touch people? How I was able to make them feel? And this is what has been focused, where I've been focusing now in every single contact that I make. Is there something that I can leave them better with? And what is, what is really my role in this relationship to serve that person as that person really truly deserves? And can I leave them better than they were before? And then really focusing on, on, on the example that I want to leave behind for my son to become someone that has the same values that, uh, or not the same, but uh, to be a person that leaves everything better than, than it was before. Thank you. Thank you, Ragnar, for that response. And our next co-host question is, after overcoming your heart block, this is to Mindy East, you developed from divorce. How did you shift your mindset from seeing divorce as a punishment to a provision? Oh, wow. Well, as I mentioned, it just kept me in such a um, little box. And shortly after, uh, or it was toward the end of the divorce, I went up to New York. And here I am in the business capital of the world where the lights are bright. And I couldn't help but think of Abraham when he was in his tent. And God said, you need to come out of the tent and you need to look up at the stars in the sky. And you need to realize that your descendants will be more than uh, all of the stars in the sky. And I thought about that here. God had to take me out of my hometown. He had to take me up to this beautiful, active, bustling place. And it was at that time I heard a speaker talk about, uh, as a man thinketh, so he shall become from uh, the Bible. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this, this person is speaking my language. I hadn't had that connection with my husband for all those years so just getting around like-minded people and and like everyone said you know it all begins with your mindset and so when I realized that 
there were so many things out there, so many opportunities, so many people to meet, so many wonderful things that I had never experienced. It gave me the energy and excitement just to move forward. And I just knew at that point, you know, anytime somebody comes against us, whether it's somebody that is, is cruel to us intentionally, who robs us from or steals from our innocence or takes away some material thing, anyone who comes against us will never come up any higher. So I knew that by living my life and doing what was right and in the eyes of God, I would be blessed and highly favored. And it was as simple as that. Thank you, Mindy, for the response. Our next question is of our co-host, our co-author, sorry, C. Reggie Rogers. In your chapter, you discuss democracy. Do heart blocks cause democracy between the heart and the mind? <clears throat> the heart and the mind. Sometimes <clears throat> it's hard to um, get that heart and that mind on the same page. And because of the uh, heart and the mind not being on the same page, it can it can definitely cause a heartbreak. And you, Mindy just spoke about a relationship, so that's what I do. Really, I'm 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 one of the top relationship coaches in the country. And uh, when you deal with relationships, the aspect of bringing the heart and the mind together, the heart is saying one thing, but the mind is saying something different. The heart wants one thing, but the mind wants something different. Into a relationship so that you create what I call synergy, it throws the energy off. And so when the energy is wrong, sometimes conversations aren't long, wherever the energy goes, that's how the attention flows. And so there's this whole thing where we're unbalanced. And the way that we've been created, we've been created to have a, a balance, but have unity or unification within the balance. And sometimes it takes a lifetime takes us a very long time to figure out how do we have this unification yet have balance but yet still have joy in the midst of trying to be on the same page because a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so you have these three rooms or two rooms in this one house and all the times they're divided. So therefore that's that offness or that's that where it's, does it, you can't, you can't create that synergy. You can't create that flow. So the whole objective is you got to get to that place where you understand how to balance it out. And I say balance in particularly because too much of anything becomes overkill. You definitely want that balance so that each one has its role and each one plays its part and whatever that part is for you and however it looks for you. So therefore you have that joy because joy is something that's intrinsic and it's, it's internal. And uh, when you find that, that place of joy, the joy that you have, nothing can take it away from you. Uh, and it's different than being happy because happiness is circumstantial and happiness is temporal. So you gotta get to that place of getting to your joy spot so that you can balance it out. 
I love that. Thank you so much for that. And our next co-author, Kelly Flokinger, we unbeknownst to you, do you believe you may have used drugs in an attempt to overcome your heart block? Can you ask me that again? Unbeknownst to me, what? I, there was a word in there I didn't understand. Sorry. Do you believe you may have used drugs in an attempt to overcome your heart block? Oh, <laughs> my, my real addiction was to self-loathing. I needed to hate myself. And whether it was, you know, creating self-sabotage in my career or drugs or whatever was handy, they were just the, the tool to numb the pain and understanding finally when I started on the path of recovery after a healing, I hate to use the word recovery because it, you know, so much associated with substance, but soul recovery and understanding that the real, as someone spoke earlier about identifying the, the true problem, mine was just the, the need to hate myself, the need to feel what I believed was true, which was not okay. So <clears throat> the trauma, the lack of worthiness, the, the drugs and alcohol, that was just decoration, uh, expensive decoration, but decoration to cover up the real in internal pain, which was self-loathing. And I needed to be, I needed that and I didn't know it. And so overcoming that, certainly the substances were uh, a, the thing I used to camouflage the the pain that uh, was the that was the result of that self self loathing. Thank you for your time. Uh, the next question goes to me. My question is: Domestic violence caused your heart block. What would you tell another person who has developed a heart block due to domestic violence? I would tell them to take their power back. You know, we're stronger than we think we are. And we go through things, not for ourselves, but to help someone else. And I truly believe that the journey that we're on is not our journey. We, of course, on that journey, but it's for someone else. And for a lot of years, I had allowed this individual to take my power away from me. And it took me many years to identify with myself, to even know my identity as Lakeisha, because it was stolen from me at such a young age. And I would say, take your power back. And don't blame yourself because we go through different things in life that makes us who we are. And again, our past does not define who we will become. What defines who we become is what we, the, the choices that we make to actually the mindset, like it says on, on this platform, we use mindset a lot. And your mindset definitely makes a difference because you have to have that mindset to want to do better, to want to get out of that situation because it's not healthy because I thank God that I did not end up there because it happens. So six it shows that women and men die from being in domestic relation, domestic violation. So I thank God that I did not die. And I'm here as a walking testimony to share my story with the world, whoever wants to hear it. And again, just take your power back, know that you are valuable, you are important, and you do mean something to a lot of people. That would be what I would tell the individual that's going through the domestic violence at this time. And our next co our next co-author question goes to Beata. Beata, I got it right. Your hot block was developed after rejection. What would you say to another person who has been rejected? Hey. 
the person that was rejected was it was the question so the question is your heart block was developed after rejection what would you say to another person who has been rejected thank you i what i would say i would say educate yourself about yourself get to the core like everyone here was saying get to the core of the pain that is basically killing you. And to do so, you have to face your story. Again, I will say it over and over, find help. It's hard to see from the inside of the box. When you are in the pain, you don't really know what to do and you are going like in the darkness. Many of us also said in that state, we hard we are hard, so we hurt other people as well. So find out what is the cause of that of that pain, that is rejection that it was by the parents, by the partner, by the, I don't know, boss, friend, and what is underneath that? What you really, really wanted, their love, yeah, like many of us, love, uh, be seen, be heard. So go to the core of your story, find help. And I also noticed the common pattern that we all talk about is the walls in our chapters. My uh, chapter was from resilient mind to resilient heart. So find this resilience in yourself, go outside, find people that can help you to heal because like many blue said we we wound wounded people wound people hearted people hard people so you you don't want to do it even you, you very often you're not aware and rejection makes you feel numbed and uh, very often wants you to go and find a revenge for your own pain so find help and the story that we all talk about you have to face it because I, in my case, and working with people, I found out that our own stories are the biggest hard blocks. We tell about them over and over again to ourselves. And unfortunately, we believe it, that it's true, but it's not. You can find help. We are all, we went through trauma. We came out of it. We can help you, and there are other people in the world that can help you. You are not alone. Thank you. Our next question goes to our co-author, Lori Schoenfeld. Your heart block was developed after your heart was broken by yourself. Why did you break your own hearts, and when and how did you shift your mindset to overcome your heart block? Thank you for that question. That's a beautiful question. Um, Growing up with multiple forms of domestic abuse and violence, rape within my home, I was very much like Kellen, where I just learned it became my normal to hurt, to feel pain, to believe that that was a part of what life should be like is to hurt and that hurt people hurt people like I thought that was normal. And so I continued this pattern where every time I would hurt instead of addressing the pain and the problem, I would bandage it in some form of drugs, alcohol, addiction, put up all of these different walls so that I didn't actually have to feel it and I didn't have to address it. And the more that I did that, 
I was realizing that I was also creating a cycle within my own family and my own home that my children were watching my behavior and starting to believe that that was normal. And when I began to realize some of their behaviors, that was the blocking point for me of really opening up and saying, is this what you want your children to learn? They are learning from you the same behaviors and patterns that you learned from your generation. How much longer is this going to continue? Someone has got to stop this at some point, and it's got to start with you. And it really took starting over and unlearning everything, getting a blank canvas for myself and saying, I know that this is what I know. This is what I'm feeling. This is what my mind is telling me but I want to create and change something different, which meant unlearning everything I knew and asking myself those questions of who do I want to be? Who would I like to become for myself, for my family? And I have my own, I'm a big fan of Nancy Drew. So I have what I call an investigator journal, which is very plainful for my inner child, where I go in and write every single day, how am I physically feeling? How am I emotionally feeling? What are some traumas and triggers that are showing up in my life? Because yes, where I have moved through it, that trauma and those heart blocks still come up and they're still very dominant in my life. And I get the opportunity every single day to be my own investigator, figure out what's going on in my own life so I can then create the change for those around me, my family and my community. But it's gotta be starting with being honest with myself and finding my voice and truth for not who I need to be or think I should be, but who am I and who do I want to become? Thank you, Lori, for that. Our next question goes to our next co-author, Manny Blue. In your chapter, you mentioned overcoming a heart block may take time. How much time does it take to overcome a heart block? Manny, you're muted. There we go. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, that's a tough question because it depends on the person's situation. Um, the, the key is to, to accept what's happening or, or what has happened. And that can always be the hardest part. At that moment, you, you become vulnerable, right? Because sometimes we create this fear tales in our mind. Well, she loves me. You know, she's going to come back or, you know, he loves me. He's going to come back. And, and then... It doesn't happen that way. So when you when you accept the reality of it that this is just how it is, and you 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 kind of like you have to step outside the box. This is what I had to do personally: step outside the back the box and analyze the situation. Like, what happened to get you know how, how did I get here? Or what causes to be the way it is? Um, for me personally, it took several years, but I've spoken with other individuals where it was in a shorter time, and some that are still dealing with it. So to answer the question, it, it all depends, but the key is to accept the situation, accept what was happening, and that as much as we want, we want to, that person to get better or, or kind of, how can I put it? We expect that person to do certain things that that may never happen. So we have to accept that that's just how it's gonna be. Now, what can I do to drop the weight and continue moving my life forward. So again, to answer the question, it's just, it depends on the situation. 
Thank you, Manny. I was having some technical difficulties. <laughs> Thank you for that. Our next question goes to our co-author, Pamela Aubrey. What would you tell someone who has given themselves a life sentence with their heart block after experiencing a traumatic event? Mm, that's a great question. So first of all, I think, you know, whenever someone's in pain, it's really important just to be able to meet that person where they are and acknowledge that you understand that, you know, it makes sense uh, where they are, but to help them also understand that they don't have to stay there, that they actually have a choice as to whether they want to move forward and to have something different in their lives. And the reality is sometimes people really aren't ready. Like they just kind of want to stay in that space for a little while. And you know what? That's totally their choice and it's okay. But to know that they don't have to, and that, you know, there's help and there's a lot of different ways that you might be able to find the help that you need. And I always encourage people, you know, to not just try one thing, you know, just to, to find different modalities and try different modalities and see what works best for you. And, you know, to, to kind of make it a journey, to make it a little bit of like an adventure to go on. Like this is your life ahead of you. And let's, let's just embrace ourselves when we go on this journey and let ourselves discover these different things along the way, because we'll learn more about ourselves and we'll open ourselves up to this wonderful new world. And more recently, one of the things that one of the kind of tools that I like to use to do this is actually to have a conversation with what I call the spirit of truth, you know, and to start to ask it questions that are important to us so that we can start to get some answers that maybe we haven't had before. But that's just one example of, of like a tool or an exercise, but there's so many. And of course, you know, I do energy work. So I think energy work is a great tool as well. But, you know, even finding someone like a, a support group is amazing. Finding someone like a minister that you can talk with or a therapist, there's just, you know, endless numbers of tools. And so I think just have that conversation with yourself, you know? Am I really ready? Do I want to stay in the space I'm in? And if not, am I ready to move forward? And what do I want that to look like? What do I want that first step to look like? And to kind of honor ourselves in that process and then just do it. Thank you, Pamela. Well said, well said. Our next co-author, Aaron Bear. Your question is, rape caused your heart block, which caused a trust issue. You mentioned in your chapter how rape broke your soul. How did you repair your soul and overcome your heart block and allow yourself to trust it? That's a deep, that's a deep question. Um, so it took time. Um, this is gonna be um, kind of a reflection on me. So after, after the abuse, after the rape, uh, Halloween became my worst holiday. I didn't like Halloween. I just kind of would lock myself away uh, because that's the day uh, the rape happened. Um, so moving forward, I decided to take an approach that was not the healthiest to heal from the sexual assault. I figured, you know what? If guys can go out and have a bunch of sex, so can I. If they can use women, so can I. Um, and that it, it lasted very short, <laughs> but I went out and I was just like, you know what? Why not use a guy? And I know that sounds really horrible, but it was the way that I could kind of get over that hump of feeling violated. I went out and I decided uh, to have a couple of fun nights, I guess you could say, 
Um, and then I realized that was not the right approach to getting over the rape or to fix my soul. Um, I was completely broken. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror and I've never told anybody that part. So <laughs> that's vulnerability right there. Um, and I, you know, I just, I wanted to see, I guess, why guys would do that kind of thing. Or it, it, I didn't take advantage of men. Let me, let me be clear. I did not take advantage of men. The men wanted it, but I thought that that would fix it all. I figured if I gave myself so freely, then I would be loved. Then I would be healed and I would be worthy. And in fact, that was not the case. So after, after um, he was convicted and I stopped being stupid, <laughs> I tell myself that I was being stupid. I was making, making wrongful decisions because why not? I was already making bad decisions. So continue making them. Um, I decided I wasn't going to have sex with people. I wasn't going to kiss on the first date. I wasn't going to do these things that was sexifying and objectifying me. And in 2010, I met my husband um, and I told him that I didn't kiss on the first date, which was a lie, um, but I did not kiss him on the first date. And I was so scared with that trust that I was waiting for that other shoe to drop because my soul was so shattered. And um, my husband, you know, he was my, he was the guy I was seeing at the time. I met him online and he was so patient. And it, it, it almost scared me. I wanted to run away because that's what I do. I keep running away from the things when it gets too, too messy, too, you know, messy with my soul. And so he just kept saying, I'm going to be here for you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm never going to hit you. I'm never going to take advantage of you. And so when we decided to be in a relationship, we didn't have sex for quite a while and he was completely okay with that. And that's when I realized that my soul can heal. And that's when I realized I could trust again. And that's when I realized that there are good men out there. And that's when I realized I wasn't broken. I was just scared for that little girl in me. And I, it just needed time, but I needed to find somebody to walk that path with me to take that time to fix my soul because I thought I was helpless. I thought I was not enough. And so I think when our soul feels so shattered, it's something we kind of stick in a closet and we don't want to look at it. We don't, we don't want to look at that mess. And so we do things to make it more messy so we can justify um, letting people in that we thought we could trust when they really came in to shatter us. Well said, I like that, Karen. Thank you so much for being transparent. And that concludes, of course, the question that we have for each individual co-author. Now we're going to open the floor to any other co-authors to ask other co-authors questions. Do you guys have any questions to ask each other? The floor is open. Yes. I, I'd like to make a comment. I don't know if it's a question, but what I'm hearing, and, and Dr. Lakeish, I want to tell you, your story made the most impact on me when I read the book. And um, because it happened to you at such a young age. And I've heard so many of us, and Gigi and I have talked about this in Freedom is Everybody's Job. Um, we were raised by, well, I was raised by, um, my parents were in the silent generation. And so many people didn't talk about sex, politics, religion, money. And what's in the news today, it's sex, politics, religion, and money. And uh, I can't remember who said that we have to make sure we hand our children a, a 
a healed baton, not a broken baton, but, you know, hand them a baton so that they can go off in their life and be successful and whole and healed and hopefully not experience the trauma. But we need to learn how to have really good conversations about some of these difficult topics like sex and money and, and things like that. But I think a lot of it is all these, all these traumas are tied into our emotions. And so when you don't give yourself or your children, or if you weren't raised in a safe environment where you could go and approach your parents and talk about these highly sensitive topics, then we, some of us just walked into things without knowing any better. And I forget who's in, who's in uh, the sex trafficking industry type uh, for prevention, but I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but I just think we all need to learn to have better communication when it comes to those tough subjects so that other people don't have the trauma that we've experienced Mm -hmm. too. Absolutely, maybe I know when I was going through my situation, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my mom or dad, my sister, I didn't tell anybody. I was so afraid, like, so afraid. But now it's like, I was just like talking. I was like, it's healing. You know, you have to talk about it. Even if a question sounds stupid, just ask the question. It's like a, that part of my life just took my voice. It's like I was screaming and no one knew what I was screaming. Like I just wanted to tell somebody, but I just know how to tell somebody and you know you would think that I could tell my mom because my mom but I was like so afraid like he has sold my voice he took my power so even with my children now I just want them to know that your voice is your superpower say something it doesn't matter if it's a word a sentence a phrase or whatever say something because in that you could be crying out for help just that one word you could just be crying out for help so definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. It needs to be more talk, more vulnerability, more transparency, of course, about our children, especially this day and age, just so much going on in this world. So yeah, I agree with that. Anybody else? Actually, I have a question for Pamela. Uh, you mentioned the spirit of truth. Uh, can you please elaborate on that a little more and how do you come up with that, with that concept? I, I, it's very intriguing to me. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, actually, I think for me, that's sort of come out of, although I grew up in a Christian home, there was a period in my life where I really felt like I didn't have as much communication with this voice that I had known as a child. And even though it would only show up at times, um, I really knew that there was something to this voice because it would give me instruction and, and the instruction that it would give me was accurate and correct. And so when I came back to um, my my spiritual life in a different way um, as an adult, I really began to understand that there's these different energies. And for me, that energy of truth was really important. I needed that because I was surrounded by so many lies. And by tapping into that, it gave me perspective on my life again. And it gave me perspective on me. And and that was probably the most important piece. And so I think, you know, that's going to look a little bit different for everyone. But just to know that the truth, it just is, right? It just is. And we may not always know what it is, but it just is. And we have access to that information. And all we really have to do is ask for it. Thank you. That answers your question. Thank you. <laughs> sure. 
Thank you for that, Pamela. Anyone else have any questions or any comments or anything? For Aaron Bear. So Aaron, Aaron just shared something so deep with us. I, I mean, that was a very powerful question that you asked her as far as rape goes. And as a rape survivor myself, I know it's very difficult, especially rape can make an individual, cause an individual to lose their voice. Aaron, what was your mindset? How did you shift your mindset? Like, like Ragnay mentioned, rap, mindset is so important. So talk to us about your, your mindset. How did you shift from a negative mindset to a positive mindset? So when, um, when, I, when I kicked the monster out, I, it was the scariest day of my life, but it wasn't, it wasn't me uh, that did it. It was the little girl inside me. We all had that little, that little child and uh, she had enough. And so I came home one day and I, I flipped out. Um, and after that, I, uh, he had two cats. And he asked if they could stay with me until he kind of got back on his feet and everything like that. And I said, yes. And I started getting stalked. I started getting, um, my tire got slashed. I was being followed. Um, and I, and I was, I was definitely scared. And so, um, when he wouldn't come and get his cats, I called animal control. I was like, Hey, can I just, you know, open the door, um, and let the cats out. And they're like, no, that's animal neglect. And so, I accidentally let it slip. I was never going to tell anybody about the rape or the abuse or anything. I was just, it was going to be my little dark secret. Um, and a woman came and, and got the cats and asked where the crimes took place. And I was like, just, just get the cats. Like we're not talking about crimes here. Um, she goes, I need to know where they took place. We are uh, pressing charges and you can't do anything about it. And I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> like, OK, this is real. And I can't get out of it because the police know and the authorities know. And this monster is now going to know that I called the authorities, which I wanted them to kind of like, you know, sweep it under the rug. Um, so I, I kind of turned inward and I, and I got um, I got pissed. <laughs> I got pissed off because I let this monster take so much from me. He, he took it little by little. He chipped it away uh, little by little. And, um, the rape made me feel so dirty. It made me feel unlovable. And I got really mad when I realized that it was a crime. I had no idea that I was really being abused or that, that he had raped me. And then when I talked to the officer, I got pissed off and I, I was sad and I was hurt. And so, um, I decided to take the control back. Uh, and I dove into bodybuilding. I figured, you know what? He took everything from me. He, he took, um, no, I was not a virgin before I met him, but he took my innocence away. He took the purity of love away. He took what I looked like away. He took what I thought about myself away. I was such a powerful woman when I had moved to Colorado. I mean, I had a master's degree. I was, I've been on my own since I was 14 and he took everything I knew of myself and he took it away and he shattered it. And I got pissed off once I realized it was a crime and uh, I got into bodybuilding and I took every little piece of me back and I, and I put it back together and I realized it was more beautiful cracked than it was whole. And it made me realize that I need to share this. I mean, I didn't know when I was going to be ready, but when I received a thousand dollar restitution check for being $18,000 in debt for almost getting my life taken away from this monster, because the woman that took the cats, the authority, she said one more time, it would have been your last. And that hit home. And I was not going to let those circumstances uh, define me. And I had to change my mindset because I was believing everything he had fed me 
for those seven months um, that were not true. And it's hard to shift that mindset because you think, oh, wait, maybe I was crazy. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating. Maybe he really didn't rate me. Maybe I consented. Uh, Maybe I deserve to get hit. Maybe I pushed the wrong button. Maybe I looked at another guy and didn't realize it. Maybe this, maybe that. And I got tired of believing the lies of the devil. And I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to feel this way. I lived my whole life thinking I'm not enough because I've been bullied and I've been abandoned and teased. And now I've been abused and raped and I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. This weight I cannot carry. So I choose to check my baggage and not go to the baggage claim. And that's when I shifted my mindset. It was, it was scary. I needed help. I went to a therapist and surrounded my people with good people and I, you know, myself with good people and a good community that I slowly learned how to trust again, but it was getting pissed off that made me shift my mindset. Wow. Thank you so much, Eric, for being transparent. That's amazing. All you are amazing. And like I said, we, we definitely we go through things in life that does not find you to become. And all of you guys are amazing. Does anyone have any more comments or anything before I give a thank you to our sponsors? I do have a question for Beata and Mindy. Both of you talk about developing your heart block after someone leaving you or making you feel less than. What would you tell the man or woman that's watching today or the person, the individual, that's watching today who was who was left behind and now has developed a heart block. What would you tell that person? Want me to go first or Beata? Go I ahead. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing. What I hear everyone saying is, you know, and um, Aaron, what a what a beautiful transformation. I have to just give you applause there. And you know that. You know, when we find that inner voice, when we find that power and, you know, anger is powerful. And when it's, when it's channeled in the correct way, like you chose to better yourself. And um, so I think, I think anytime you feel that rejection, you do have to look inside and you have to kind of look in and say, okay, who was I before I met this person? Who am I going to be after this person leaves? You know, I'm still me. I, I just want to be the best possible version of me. And I'm a huge um, proponent of learning. And the way you build your confidence is you become your the best version of you that you can be. And so I've just read books. I've surrounded myself with great people. I got rid of everyone toxic in my life. And uh, unfortunately, you know, not all of our friends and, and my family has surrounded me. So I still, I'm surrounded by family, but I know not everyone has a generous family with their love that like I do, but not everybody is going to, who starts with you will finish with you. And I think sometimes there was a stripping away of some, some people in my life. And I leaned on people. Like I was in a Bible study. You were talking, someone was talking about find the support anywhere you can go to a therapist, which I did that. But once you decide that you're worth it, and that has to come from deep down inside of you, that has to be 
from who am I as, as a person, who do I, and, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting everyone's comments confused because they were so good and they weave, everyone's comments weave together. Who do you want to be at the end of your life? Who do you want them to say you were what at your funeral? How do you want to help? I think you, you focus on that vision and that's how you become the best possible version of you because success is going to take you higher than revenge ever could. So um, that would be my comment just to, you know, be selfish with yourself and your love for yourself and surround yourself with people that pour into you as you get your feet back up underneath you. And then, wow, move forward with confidence and, you know, don't look back. It, it'll always be there. And, you know, it may rear its ugly head, but now you've got the coping skills. Now you've got the tools. Now you've got the resources. Now, you know, uh, it's not that you weren't enough. You were too much. You were too bold, too brave, too beautiful, too smart, too something that made that other person feel threatened. And unfortunately, they chose to deal with their insecurities in a bad way, but you can choose a better path moving forward. Amen. Love that. What I'm going to say after that. <laughs> um, well, what... What I want to say to you, whoever is listening, maybe you were left or maybe you will be. We never know what the future holds. I want to say that you have to start today building your toolbox. The toolbox is your awareness about your, your, yourself and your own strengths and you are stronger than you can believe I was when I was left by my fiance I it was I was in a, living in a very small town in my 30s and uh, in a small town in a little Poland you know there was a this belief that after 30s girl after 30s not married oh my gosh who you are not you are not gonna make it far in this world so I left my mentor said once if you cannot accept situation, change it. If you cannot change, leave. So I left my little town, went to the bigger, and I found help. Again, I'm going to highlight this. Find help outside of you because sometimes it's very hard to help yourself when you are in that situation. So please find help if, wherever in life you, you find yourself. It doesn't need to be that someone is leaving you. And so I, I then it was moving, leaving my time was not enough. So I left my country, came to US. Hello. I thought that I left my pain behind, but no, it came with me just on the, in different, you know, in different situations and different challenges. So the, the, the other um, advice is do not run away from your challenges, face them because they're going to just come after you wherever you go. And Gigi, she is like a huge support for me because I, I was raised Catholic, but probably I was not that much like they're seeking God before what happened for me, not to me. It's what I know now. I found actually uh, peace 
in searching God during that time and this higher power or whatever you call it. So search something outside of you and then find it in you to something what is bigger than the mission that you are here for. So this experience that you're going through probably is just a redirecting you to some something or someone better. I, I think Mindy she, Mindy, she said before, it was a huge freedom. Yes, I found freedom as well, but it took me many years. Please don't do it because I thought I am strong. I can help myself. No, you know, I had to find someone who is trained to help people, hearted people like I was at that time. So this is my advice. Do not sit with your pain. Find someone who can help you to solve it. Powerful. Look, I do have a question for Ragne as well. Ragne, you talk about in your chapter, you observe someone die. Now, what would you tell another individual who's observed someone die and it's a traumatic experience for them as well. What would you tell that person? You know, it, it took me a long time to understand that um, I was I was asking the questions, why is it happening to me? Like, uh, why do I need to go through all of this? Why have I, what have I done something so bad that I need to go through this? And I didn't go through that once in my life. It just repeated until you came to conclusion that the only thing that uh, is constant in life is change. And, uh, and there are so many things that uh, we, we're just addicted to, to certainty and control of things, and they do not exist. So the, the, our belief system really determines how do we see things. And until we, we just uh, condition ourselves through, through the things that, oh my God, this happened to, to me and not for me, why, it, it just, uh, you don't change. I, I did the same. I just ran away. I just started to study harder, uh, work longer days, uh, have more income, uh, really pushing forward to be validated by outside so I could feel good about myself. But what really uh, hit me one day when I was in a peak of my career and driving to the office, I'm 29 years old, ending up in the hospital because I, I'm just feeling that I'm going to have a heart attack. And in that moment, it hit me. I never took the time to understand the root cause of all of it. And that was the same thing. I didn't, did not deal with the grief because everybody was seeing outside. I was doing fine. I was just going. I've never, I didn't cry any public places. Everybody was like, are you are you okay that you you're good? Yeah, I'm totally fine. What, what are you talking about? So I was totally I was too, just continuing my life in a way that it was before. So I did not allow myself to to really go through the emotions. I was just hiding the emotions away. I was like, no, 
I can build this. And that's why I say that mindset is good to have if, and, and strong one because it can push you forwards. But also we, you need to be careful when you do not connect your mind with your heart and with your emotions, and that's the emotional intelligence, and do not understand that all the emotions you have been just hiding away rather than going through that. And what does that cause? Sicknesses, hidden things which show up years and years later. And, uh, and I had, I was so afraid every time that I had a relationship that I'm going to lose that person to the, to the point that if someone needed to go to, I could not say goodbye to anyone. I just couldn't. I said, no, just leave. I can't, I, I can't deal with it. And I just left. And whenever there was a problem, I'm like, no, I just turned around and <laughs> walked away. And that was my mechanism to cope with it because I didn't know better. And once I, I actually had someone who told me that, Ragnar, you need to start to honor yourself first. And I'm like, what does this mean? I do. It's like, no, you don't. I'm like, what do you mean? I do. Look at, it's like, no, look at your side, inside of you. Are you honoring yourself? And are you putting yourself first? Because you're living the life for others because you, they expect you to be good. And I, I just wanted to be good because I was like, I need to be strong for my parents. I need to be strong for my friends. I need to be strong for everybody around us that I'm, I'm doing okay. I don't just, I don't need, I don't need help. And I don't, I didn't know how to ask for help. And um, fast forward, it's, it's, it's just uh, understanding that uh, once you stop seeking the outside world to validate you or to seek the happiness outside of yourself, it's like nobody and absolutely nobody can make you happy. If, they be, if people leave you, they usually don't leave you. They leave the circumstances. They leave the, the how they have become because of that mix, what is happening. And they don't like themselves in that. So as, as Mindy was saying, it wasn't about me. I was too good. Not, not that I didn't hit those marks. And that's, that's the thing to, to really recognize that uh, sometimes we, we win. And have you seen that when people start to invest in their personal growth, what happens in the relationships when the other side doesn't? Then when it blows up, because now you connect with your inner power, you really honor yourself first. You put your desires, needs, everything first. And you get to know the person that you have seen in the mirror for so many years. And you're like, who is that girl? Okay. So um, everything, absolutely everything starts within. And once we connect with that, 
we stop uh, looking for the, the validation and happiness from outside. And that's the biggest gift that you can give yourself. If you want to be happy, then just do it. Don't wait for someone else to make happy. This is not going to, because they are not going to be up to your expectations. Nobody will. So, um, and I can talk uh, long hours about that. So, <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for the question and uh, thank you for, for listening. Thank you, Ragni. And I definitely want to thank our sponsors, Ragni Sneakers. She's the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach, and Public Speaker. Michael B. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, Daniel Gomez, keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, confidence architect, and author. Lani Ake is the founder of Everyday Leaders, professional coach making consulting, and she's also a certified John Maxwell team leadership coach. And myself, Dr. Lakeisha James, owner and founder of Design Effects by Lakeisha. Now, before we have some closing remarks from our host, Regine G.D. Sabat, do anyone have any closing remarks on overcoming your heart block or giving someone an opportunity or the know-how to even start to overcome their heart block? The only thing I want to say is that we all have traumas. We all have things that happen to us, but we're not defined by them. And you also have to remember you are you. And you can't be anybody else. So please do not compare your bloom with anybody else's flower. I love that, Erin. Thank you. I am right tagging on Erin's comment of you get to create your own joy. And joy is within you. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Look at the mirror in the mirror, like Ragni said. Look, and if you can't see that light yet, what would you like to see? What would you like to envision in your life? Uh, we all have that light within us that others see that we oftentimes forget, but it's there and it's beautiful. And we get to hold that space. Thank you, Lori. Anyone else have any oh, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to piggyback on what Ragni said earlier about life doesn't happen to us it happens for us so if you're going through a tumultuous time in your life right now try to look for the silver lining accept it harvest the good and forgive the rest and you'll be just fine thank you Megan. anyone else yes uh, so for everyone who is out there feeling left or betrayed by someone else, just remember that we are meeting people for a reason, for a season and for a lifetime and investing your time for in those that are there for you for the lifetime is much important than what happened now. Thank you. Anybody else? I would like to say something real quick. Um, it is easy to get caught up in trying to control things that we can't. So rather than put, shifting all that time and energy on the things that you cannot control, focus the time and energy on the things that you can control because that is how you, you are able to be able to move forward, focusing on everything you can control, not the things that you can't control. Thank you, Manny. 
And I, my last closing remarks would be, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. I love that. Because we go through different things in life. We go through different things in life. Your life, your path does not define who you will become. And again, everyone has a story. What's your story? Tell your story. Start speaking your story. It can just be one word and just take it from there. Anyone else before close remarks by our host, Gigi Sabat, and then of course, prayer, prayer for me. I believe Pamela Aubrey has something to say. Oh. I can see it. I just wanted to tag on one more thing, and this is something that's sort of been in my heart the last couple of days thinking about this conference, and it's really just that saying that says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, and what's so beautiful is that all of the people that are here today have come here with their truth of what has shifted in their life and how they have come out of that, that place of pain. And when you read this book and you hear these stories, they are the truth of what can happen in anyone's life. So no matter where you are, just hear that truth for yourself today. Even if you can't feel it, just hear it and let yourself be in that space. Thank you, Pamela. And lastly, um, Killian, do you have any closing? Any last words? You know, I, I guess because I, didn't start any of my healing journey until I was in my mid-50s. I think that one of the things that always strikes me is it's never too late. No matter where you've been or what's happened, the past doesn't write the future unless you let it. And the two most important words in the universe are love and forgiveness. And forgiveness is such a confusing thing because we often equate it with absolution or pretending things away. And it's a beautiful gift you give yourself. And the book I just finished, and everybody here knows that I write a lot, so that was number 16 or 17. But it, the name of that book is Forgiveness, A Journey of Courage to a Place of Freedom and Power. And whether it's forgiving yourself for all the stupid things we did or didn't do or cruel things we did or didn't do. And because I had such a tumultuous ride, I think that was more of my opportunity. But by carrying either the anger or the guilt, we dampen, we diminish, we reduce our opportunity to do good, love, add good to the world, and live into the gifts that we were given. So never let the future be an extension of the past. The past doesn't write the future. It's always blank and empty, and you hold the pen. So write that beautiful story and start every day with your eyes in the mirror, loving yourself completely and deeply and freely for the beautiful person that you are and that you will become. Love that, love that. <laughs> okay, now our closing remark from our host, Rajalene Gigi Sabat, and then of course, closing prayer with myself. Thank you to our speakers and our sponsors. And thank you all for attending the Global Overcoming Heart Blocks Conference, which is a Q&A panel of the Overcoming Heart Blocks book, Inspiring Stories for Healing from Trauma. Today, we talked about trauma, such a serious topic. And a heart block can be developed from any traumatic event or experience. You've heard from all of the speakers and authors today who've experienced some form of trauma, which then led to them developing a heart block. And they took the time to heal. 
and you can too. There was a question directed to Manny earlier in regards to how long it took or it takes to overcome a heart block. And I, I second what Manny said. And I also add that it does take time and take time, take, take as much time as you need because everybody's healing journey is unique. No one can feel the pain or emotion that you went through unless they put themselves in your shoes. That can be done, yes. But now you know what you've went through. You know what you've endured. Like Aaron talks about the rape that she endured. No one knows how much time it was going to take her to heal. She had to face that herself at her own time. And she did, and she did. And she's a walking, talking testimony that you can overcome your heart block. And each and every one of you are a walking, talking testimony. And if you're listening to this message today, you can overcome any challenge you face in your life. You can overcome your heart block. It is possible. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. And remember, you're not alone. Many people believe that they're alone. You're not alone. You know, one of my favorite verses, and I love sharing this verse, is Joshua 1, 9. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Therefore, you're not alone. God is with you wherever you go. Never give up. Trauma, trauma, we have to face it. And Ragne mentioned earlier that there's a stigma that is tied to trauma. Many people believe because someone is a teacher, someone is in politics, someone is a lawyer, someone is a doctor. I can go on and on, the list goes on and on. Someone is an author, someone is a speaker, that they can't experience trauma. That is not true, that is not a fact. Write that down, that is not a fact. Anyone, any individual can experience trauma and trauma can cause a heart block. Often in society, it is referred to as a wall. It is a heart block because it's so internal. It's so massive emotionally in depth in someone, in a human being that we have to face it. The time has come now in our society where we need to face the trauma and overcome our heart blocks. And again, I, I end with this that these folks here are a walking, talking testimony that you can overcome your heart block. And remember, you all are the children of God. God is the creator of all things. And so I, I want you all to write this down. Never give up, keep the faith. Thank you all. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for this day, Father, that you've made and we're receiving in your name, Father. Your word said, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every word that shall rise up against the judgment, you shut them down, Father. 
those pro they, those form, but they did not prosper. We see this great panel of speakers and overcomers, Father. We thank you right now that we have a testimony. We wouldn't have a testimony without a test. And we just thank you, Father, for the testimonies, Father. We thank you for the ones that are that are going through their overcoming heart blocks, Father. We thank you right now for the journey, Father. We thank you, Father, for the strength. We thank you for the courage, Father. We thank you right now for the ones that have been impacted by this platform. We thank you right now for Gigi, Father, the visionary. They're bring people together for the greater good, Father. We thank you right now for her platform. We thank you for this platform individually, Father. We thank you for everyone that's attached to this panel right here in the mighty name of Jesus, Father. We ask you to continue to be a blessing, Father. Strengthen us in the areas that you need to be strengthened, us, Father. And touch us right now from the crowns of our head to the soles of our feet because the blood still works. The blood still works, Father. We thank you right now for this day, for this conference, for everyone that's watching, for everyone that could not attend, Father. We thank you right now. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless amen. you. Amen. And be safe. Thank you. God bless.